Okay, so picture this. You're sitting in a classroom and your mind is wandering. You don't even hear what the teacher's talking about and perhaps you're drawing one of those abstract but repetitive symbols on your notebook. The clock on the wall is ticking and every boring second is passing by and time seems to go so slowly. I guess we can all relate to that at some point, being bored in high school. For Nicola, daydreaming away during classes was almost an everyday practice. I just didn't well, pay attention or work a lot at home. I was quite often at the edge of uh, not completing something or was always at risk of um, dropping out of uh, the gymnasium or other schools I've attended. And like so many other board students, Nicola had plenty of interests and actually a strong curiosity about society. It just seemed to him that what really mattered was not covered in the curriculum of his high school. I always had the desire to do something which struck me as, as being important for society or, or for the future. Always interested in understanding where things come from, how our societies are shaped and um, what makes people tick. Welcome to Grasp, a podcast where we get to go behind the scenes of a think tank. My name is Jamila. I'm an intern at Voraus. And this summer, I've been talking to people of the Open Think Tank Network, trying to grasp some of the challenges and, let's say, creative ways in which people make change happen. Today's episode, The Board Student. None of the university topics stuck with Nicola, so he opted for law school keeping his options open. He got busy with side projects to stay inspired. One of them was helping out on a political campaign tied to an upcoming national referendum in Switzerland. And stakes for this particular campaign were pretty high. It was on the extension of free movement of uh, people to Romania and Bulgaria. It was highly emotional. There was um, it wasn't clear if this vote would go in favor or not. And we were fighting for a good uh, relationship with, with Europe and the extension of this free movement of, um, of people treaty and the bilateral treaties in general. And the project had its restrictions. We had like four months in total and working with a super small budget with just like hands and minds of, of people who wanted to do something for Switzerland. Within these four months, we knew that we would need to build up a huge organization uh, to be able to, to have a, an impact. So Nicola and his team had to get creative. After some intense brainstorming, someone got the idea to use a new type of technology to create this interactive video, which kind of tricked whoever was watching it. They would see people demonstrating against them because they didn't get up on the day of the election and they didn't vote. And because of this one voice, uh, it got lost. And so your name was built in the video. And it seemed to work. One day, Nicola got a phone call from his aunt. And she was really concerned. Because she really thought that people were in the streets were demonstrating against her. And she called me and told me like, no, but actually I, I already voted. This must be a misunderstanding. And that was the moment when I understood that this was really working, actually. And that people did believe that this, this was real. 
So we had more than half a million uh, views of um, of this of this video. Now it's it's around one million, um, which is huge for Switzerland. On the election day, like the commentators on on TV, they said that alone with this video, we probably had more than five percent uh, change um, in the turnout in the end. But behind those great numbers was something bigger. Nicola made an observation that really stuck with him. And there was an enormous power in, in these young people. Like I just saw all of them like getting up very early in the morning to, to be at um, the central train station at seven o'clock in the morning to, to try to convince uh, people coming into, into Zurich for work that they should vote yes for a, a good relationship between Switzerland and Europe. And this, there's an enormous force in that. Really having the desire to change something, to, to have a constructive impact um, on our society, it would have been such a pity to, to have this, this power in the political campaign, but not, not sustain it later on. So not to have another format, um, another tool for that power to continue the work later on. So Nicola followed his feeling and his inspiration around this power, as he calls it. He grabbed his laptop and started to write out thoughts in a Google Doc. Bring together intelligent young people from very different backgrounds. Like a political campaign is great, um, but it very often attracts opinionated people. So instead of fueling that energy from opinions, what if it would be fueled by knowledge? Be sound on a scientific level. While still keeping the engagement and the spirit of a campaign, activating knowledgeable people and experts from the ground up, similar to the grassroots movement of activism. Because who said that policymaking had to be boring and miss that spark that campaigning had? You know, the political parties, but also other institutions in economy, in politics, in different fields of society, they are still what they were 50 years ago. And But our democracy has changed. Our, um, the composition of our society has changed. Allowing people to collaborate through grassroots networks would make policymaking more inclusive to knowledgeable people who usually didn't feel like they had a voice. Tapping into those unused resources interested Nicola, and he realized he wanted to offer a platform for people who, who really know their, their subjects and who don't have somebody who listens to them on the political level. Making use of the knowledge of students, of PhDs, as well as experts, and allow them to ideate on new ideas for foreign policy through radical collaboration, meaning identifying and tackling problems together. Grassroots collaboration for policy ideation? A new kind of think tank. Once he had a two-pager ready, he decided to share his concept with the world. I was a lawyer who had like brought knowledge of many different fields, but I didn't know much about like foreign affairs and 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 Europe and, and security policy and so on. So I needed people also who who had more topical knowledge, who wanted to bring their ideas to, to politics. And the name for his new baby? Forum. Forum for Foreign Policy. 
in short, voraus. And I just decided to send it around, like to, to many friends uh, who had been part of the campaign, but also to others. Soon Nicolas started to hear back from people he didn't even send it to. Seems like that document had legs and was forwarded wide and large. Nicolas' law school was coming to an end, and he had already secured a position at a major Swiss law firm. Actually, I had already signed a contract before finishing my studies. As a law student, that's what you dream about, actually just having a contract right after your studies with one major law firm, uh, paying good money, like what else would you like to have in your, in your life? Like also as a young lawyer, obviously you, you sacrifice a lot of time. It's, it's super intense. Um, you don't have time for pet projects, uh, for side projects. That's just not... Not part of the deal. And the fact that his mailbox was filling up with such enthusiastic feedback on his think tank concept, Nicola got this itchy feeling. He started to realize that his new idea probably needed much more time than he had available. On the other hand, starting that new job would mean he had a good salary income every month. He would probably advance quickly in a dynamic legal career if he worked hard on it. Probably the quite logical and rewarding career path. He lived with some friends in an apartment, and he didn't really have any big commitments. The only commitment he actually felt was to his new idea. The energy that was in, in the organization, which was into in, was in the making, I would say, was so clear. And I had like meetings every night. I think I, I just learned that this could be like a place where I could really change something. After some weeks of thinking, Nicola took a decision. I decided like, not to pursue um, my law career and, and to launch myself into the think tank and, and to, to become a founder. Even if um, like, I decided against um, these 7,000 francs a month, uh, which, which hurt, I could still use them today, uh, but... Um, <laughs> But uh, I guess at the same time, like you need to follow your your heart in these big decisions, and and it was obvious. Do you remember how you felt afterwards? Yeah, relieved. I guess. I mean, obviously, also a bit scared of what lies ahead. I mean, I didn't have like rich parents or a lot of money aside, so I didn't. I couldn't count on just like, no worries if it doesn't work, uh, I can do something else. So it, it was important for me. And, but at the same time, I felt that it was the right decision. The decision was made and Nicola borrowed some money from his parents to start it up and he was ready to go. So now what? Well, he still needed a partner. He was looking for someone who could complete his skill set. Someone with more political experience. And even though many people were very enthusiastic about his idea, he hadn't yet had anyone who was willing to leave what they were doing and just jump on board with him. 
And one day, out of the blue, he got this phone call. He didn't know the number, but he decided to pick up. It was a kindergarten friend of mine, uh, Pablo Padrut, um, who had, well, studied international affairs. I hadn't been in touch with him for years. When the proposal had landed in Pablo's inbox, being just sent to him, not by Nico, but forwarded by someone, Pablo took the time to read it through properly. Erdi gave him plenty of ideas. I was super happy, obviously, and he just told me that like, he would be motivated to, to, to do this together. As Nicola and Pablo started refining the concept together, some huge opportunities became clear. First one, the unused resource of very capable and knowledgeable students. Very often if you publish in universities, like maybe your professor will read what you write. Very often not even your professor will read it <laughs> entirely. So it's kind of frustrating also because nobody listens to you. Second, the very slim options for young people to get involved in politics. There were either youth parties or not being engaged in politics at all. Along with that came some pretty segmented ideas of what being young in politics means. And for Nicolas and Pablo, it was clear that they wanted to change that. We wanted to be taken seriously and we decided that we didn't want to want people to pat on our backs uh, saying, oh, it's great that you do something as a young person. I was also, when I was young, I was also involved in interesting initiatives and so on. Making use of their existing student networks, Nicola and Pablo started to organize meetings all over Switzerland, figuring out what topics they should get involved in. And sure, the idea was solved on paper, but how would it work out there in the real world? At first, we didn't know that like this kind of grassroots organization could fit with a professional think tank. Because you try to crowdsource the collective intelligence of the many, of the citizens, of the students, of, of young people. But in the end, the product which is, is launched, which is produced, um, will it really stand the test of, of quality? Or is it still better to have this traditional organization where somebody decides who will do what? Our bet was that collective intelligence was stronger than individual intelligence. So to look at that model, we'll zoom in on a special project of Faraus that they did a couple of years ago. There was this agreement with the European Union on military and security. And Switzerland needed to make a choice. To either move closer in collaboration with the rest of the EU or not. An important issue on the big scale, but for some reason it seemed off the radar. Swiss parliamentarians, they just didn't know about this. It was highly important, also money-wise, uh, there were lots of opportunities to work together. And we just saw that this wasn't on the radar in Switzerland yet. So Nicola and his team decided to gather experts on the topic. And to make it more casual, they decided to meet in a bar. We had people working in the Swiss foreign office, in the Swiss military forces, people who were studying in the field of security policy, like uh, different backgrounds, uh, but very complementary ones, understood that there was really a niche and uh, an opportunity for us to, to produce an important input for, for Swiss politics. 
the group decided to angle in on. How you could buy material together. And um, I mean, it doesn't sound very fancy, but it was super relevant. And we had like the technical knowledge within our For Us network. We had young people who normally didn't have that possibility to intervene with their ideas. But there we were the first actor to, to really bring a good solution. The working group co-wrote a proposal, including all the relevant scientific facts and recommendations. Something that is called a discussion paper. And this is basically... A study of 30 pages, um, where it made recommendations on how to work better together with, with the EU in the field of security policy. Very often we publish our discussion papers in major media outlets, but that time we decided that we wanted to approach um, politicians directly. So during the parliamentary sessions, meaning all politic representatives were in town, the Faraus team printed out the 30-page discussion paper and reached out to the politicians. Booking meetings, running through corridors, meeting at cafes, the works. That discussion paper was traveling all over Bern, and the team made sure it reached the hands of everyone. With all major parties, we had separate meetings, we introduced them to, to our ideas and to our proposals. And in doing that, they noticed a clear gap. I mean, all of them really benefited from, from the ideas and were also astonished of the little knowledge that was there. And the parliamentarian doesn't have a clue very often and doesn't have time um, to, to really reflect this. So very often, like the knowledge which, which is already present, which, which we do have within our network, is super valuable. The proposal was specific enough to create action. And the politicians went back to their parties. Took them up, made a motion out of it. So the seemingly unattended to issue was shortly after that put for a vote in the parliament. And the result? Well, it was... Unanimous. That was really special, because that doesn't, doesn't happen a lot. Obviously, the, the right-wing parties and the left-wing parties, they, they don't agree on much. But there, everybody was okay with at least going one step ahead. Uh, and this was because of our work. It was really astonishing how well that went. And it was a sign of, yes, that knowledge which is there, it's, it's relevant and it should be taken up. And, and the Swiss parliament will take it up if, if they get the chance to, to really listen and, and if the quality is there. Today, Faraz plays a key role in Swiss policymaking. And more importantly, it works with more than 1,000 young people all over the country who meet to brainstorm on how to use their knowledge to create change in politics. So you really managed to bring your idea and vision into an organization that has now been up and running for 10 years. Are you proud of your success? Actually, I'm not so sure if I'm a success case. I guess like most of people who have studied law with, with me, they have great jobs. They have, um, maybe they have a family, they have a house, they have a, a nice dog. Um, I don't know, like they, they also have their good lives. And um, I guess it's like up to everyone to, to, to decide themselves like what they want to want to do. And in my case, I guess it was the right decision. So I never regretted it. Obviously, I have like with my lifestyle, um, I have a lot of insecurity. Uh, I don't know, like money wise, um, in half a year, how I will earn my salary. But at the same time, I can really do what what interests me. And I'm close to the topics which are, which motivate me. So 
So I, I can be with people who inspire me. So I guess for me, it was the right choice. But it wasn't always easy um, money-wise, but also you don't have a structure. I mean, you just, when you're, you're founding an organization, like you, you just come up with an idea and you don't know if that will work. Obviously, I had never worked in a think tank before. I just decided to create one. And so it's, it's also a bit like you, you have big shoes to fill and you don't know if, if, if you can fill them and um, you just try it out. And also in Switzerland, I mean, people don't like failing, um, but in other like in the US or other societies, that's also part of the game. Um, I mean, you just follow your heart. You try to f to to found something, to to launch something which is dear to your heart. And then if it doesn't work, you do something else. Yeah, I just dared and I haven't regretted it. Nicola grasped for it and he managed to create a change. Next time on GRASP, we continue the story of grassroots think tanks. And this time, we're moving abroad. We got together as a group of uh, friends who had been part of uh, Four Hours before, um, who knew about the model and who wanted to create that in Berlin as well. Yeah, Nicola got the idea to test the successful Swiss model in Germany. But not everyone was that convinced. Germany is also so different, it's more competitive, it's not, the access is not as easy as in Switzerland, there are a lot of other think tanks around, them. it's more hierarchical, You, they don't listen to students, um, like all these kind of um, assumptions that are maybe uh, really obvious assumptions for Germans, or, uh, but maybe not for foreigners. <laughs> but more on that next time on GRASP. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of GRASP. This podcast was possible thanks to the generous support of the Larix Foundation. I'm Jamila, your host of this show. Tinka Media is the podcast production house behind this episode. Music came from Blue Dot Sessions. From Voraus, the project is overseen by Edu, our digital innovation manager. What are you grasping for right now? If you're out there in the world and you want to join the movement, get in touch with us. We look forward to hear from you. See you in the next episode.